Hello, everyone, and thank you for listening to Nerds Adulting, a podcast where grown-up nerds discuss being an adult and how nerd culture influenced us and still is. On this podcast, I invite special guests to discuss certain topics that include parenting, violent video games, television, movies, streamers, game developing, and anything else considered part of nerd culture. I've been a nerd my entire life, and even as an adult, I'm still vested in nerd culture, whether it be TV, movies, video games, or technology. I'm also a parent who unsurprisingly rubbed off on my children, who are now developing their own nerdy interests as well. I love the aspects of nerd culture and how it intertwines with us now as adults. How do we juggle our hobbies along with being a husband or wife, our jobs, being a parent? This is what this podcast is about, how we still are nerds even as adults. You know, nerd culture is mainstream now. So when you use the word nerd derogatorily, it means you're the one that's out of the zeitgeist. Metal Gear Solid was one of my favorite games growing up. With state-of-the-art graphics and Hollywood-like performances, no video game has made me feel the emotion the way that Metal Gear Solid 1 and Metal Gear Solid 3 did. The series has forever endeared itself to me as it has to millions of other gamers alike. The driving force in these games, in my opinion, was not only the story, but the voice of Solid Snake slash Big Boss. It is with great pleasure that today we welcome that voice to the show. The one and only David Hader. Hello? Hello? Hi! David Hader. <laughs> Hi, David. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thanks. How are you? Um, I'm doing fabulous. Uh, I was actually really shocked and surprised <laughs> that your uh, management team responded to my email. I was super excited. Um, I'm just going to invite uh, my friend, uh, Joshua, to the call. Okay. Um, and we tried, I guess, yeah, it didn't work previously. So let's see if he joins. Um, so I just want to say thank you so much for doing this. I'm, uh, super, we're super excited to talk to you. We're huge fans of Metal Gear, obviously. And, uh, just want to thank you. Like, I mean, we're just some two regular dudes that wanted, you know, came up with a podcast and for you to do this is pretty amazing on your part. So, um, well, it's very kind of you to say, um, I have been, turning down podcasts left and right and i i don't know how this one got through but it seemed reasonable so here we are well thank you again um josh are you here yes i'm here hello josh how are you hi david (laughs) how are you nice to meet you nice to meet you as well thank you for having me yeah Uh, thank you for allowing us really (laughs) well like i said it was an accident but i'm happy to be here oh thank you um so I think we should just have you do spoken word as uh, Snake's voice, if that's okay. No, I'm just kidding. Um, of course. <laughs> uh, so funny story. We were actually recording. We were talking a little bit about Metal Gear, and I forgot to hit the record button. So I'm glad I caught that, and now we are recording. So just so you know, um, we're just going to jump into some questions, mostly about Metal Gear, and then um, talk about hopefully we can get some X2 uh, questions in, and then a little bit about like, what you're doing currently, and if that's okay yeah. with you. Uh, it all sounds great. All right, awesome. Um, so the podcast is called Nerds Adulting, and we're all we're, we're all grown ups now, and we grew up nerding out, and um, we still kind of I think a lot of us still struggle with trying to still be a nerd, but dealing yeah. with everyday stuff. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that I want to lead it off with you know you uh, I'm sure I you, are you a nerd? Or were you growing up being a nerd? Um, oh, like what are you into now? What do you you collect stuff? You know um, just 
how do you relate to nerd culture? <laughs> well, um, well, I started out as a nerd. Uh, I we traveled a lot when I was a kid and moved a lot, and and I was an only child, so I read a lot of comic books. And um, I mean, I still have boxes and boxes of comic books uh, going back to like Archie and Richie Rich and stuff, and then through. DC and Marvel and Frank Miller and all of that. And so, which really, you know, was very pivotal in my career later mm -hmm. in life. And then, um, you know, I've been playing video games and acting in video games since they were invented. And, uh, that remains a big thing in my life. I mean, now I get sent video games to adapt into movies. So, you know, it's kind of my job that I, Oh, wow have to have a number of different gaming consoles. So, uh, you know, I just try to deal with that as best I can. And, and, um, I don't really collect things anymore. I used to collect comic books and this and that, but you know, I get so many like toys and things given to me that I just sort of get what I get and I don't, don't get too obsessive about collecting other things. Okay. Yeah. The thing that kind of happens. Simpsons, I've got five original, animation cells up on my wall and I, you know, all sorts of geek culture. Plus now I'm, I'm, I'm the Lord of the, of the nerds. So, uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. I can't, I can't escape it. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I think that as you get older, you know, you get married and you have kids, you run out of space, you know, you just can't start, you just can't keep collecting things. And that's kind of like what happens, I suppose. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'm going to, jump into some metal gear stuff with you um the thing that we were talking about we're really interested in, in knowing about is like how did you end up in the role of solid snake and how were you introduced to like metal gear and kojima and that whole how did it start essentially metal gear <laughs> uh well let's see i was well in 1993 or so uh, I got cast as to play a Russian, I played the Russian brother of the Russian planeteer in Captain Planet. And mm -hmm. the casting director on that was a woman named Chris Zimmerman, who five years later was attached to direct the English language voice script for Metal Gear. And so I got called in. Uh, I'm also told that my friend Jennifer Hale, who's one of the greatest voice actresses in the world, um, also recommended me reminded chris about me and so they both uh share some of the uh blame uh so <laughs> i uh so i went in and i auditioned and then um it was this weird little house in hollywood that had been converted into a sound studio and offices and things like that and um all of the yoji shinkawa art was up on the walls and i saw all that and it looked really cool and I just went in, I did an audition, and then I got a call a couple days later, uh, actually from Jennifer Hale, telling me that I got the part. So, Oh, wow. That's how it happened. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I certainly didn't think we'd so, be shocked about it 21 did, years later. But. <laughs> did they have a kind of like a standard that they wanted you to meet with the voice? Like, how did you develop it? Did you have like different versions that you proposed to them? Like, how did that work? No. No, actually, I I auditioned with my voice, which is, I mean, I mean, obviously, I was 21 years younger, but I I essentially sounded like this, and I, you know, I I was doing my my sort of standard heroic voice, and right. 
Um, and then I got the script and I read that he was already retired and he was already a legend and he really didn't want to come back. And he'd been through a lot and everybody knew who he was. And I was like, I think this guy is older than me. And, and, and he's got just the weight of the world on his shoulders. Like, I mean, like literally like the guy, this is the guy you call when, when the world needs to be saved and he doesn't want to come back and do it. So just sort of doing it, 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 it got grittier and it got, heavier and and more weighted and and so that was the voice that i i developed in like the week between i got cast and 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 when i started and uh and we got halfway through the day and then chris zimmerman said hey can i play you the voice you auditioned with (laughs) so she played it for me and of course it was totally different and i was like i yeah i know i'll i just kind of felt he should be like this do you want to change it and everybody sort of talked about it in the room and we agreed that we should stick with, um, with the, the, the gruffer voice. So, uh, so that's how it happened. Uh, I just sort of came up with it. Oh, okay. Yeah. I remember cause I, I played a demo when it first came out and I heard like, your voice and I was like, Oh my God, like that, that snake, like you just see the picture and you hear the voice and like that, was, like, it was spot on. Like you, know, you think of him, like, we had never heard his voice before, you know? Um, did you know it was yeah. going to be, I'm sorry, what was that? Yeah, well, that was what I tried to do. I tried to look at the pictures and be like, you know, what does this guy sound like and what has he been through? And I mean, obviously, this is a serious badass who's got history. And so uh, so thank you for saying that's that's very kind of you. Oh, yeah, yeah no problem. Uh, we, we love the game and the, the work you did was great. Um, so uh, did you know, like, how big this was going to be at the time? Do you have any idea? I, it was a lot of hype around it coming out. I remember reading it in magazines and stuff. Did you just have? Yeah. Um, well, I had an idea um, because the artwork was so amazing and um, they actually showed me in the booth, they showed me the cutscene of where he takes down the Hind D helicopter and where it crashes into the, um, into the tower. And I, and then they told me this is the first video game in history where the actual character will be the same in the gameplay and going into the cutscenes. Mm. So they were oh, like, yeah. So which is why he had that polygonal face. It was you know, it was because cutscenes or you know, gameplay that was as, as good as you could get, but cutscenes were better, but they wanted it all to be uniform. And so so that they felt like so the player felt like you were literally in a movie that you were passing from from gameplay into action, you know, to, to cutscenes flawlessly. Obviously, you know, that happens all the time now, but Metal Gear was the first. And so I knew that there was going to be a big push behind it. And I knew that this was being, you know, handled as a, as a, as an A-level game from PlayStation, but I did not know that it would occupy my life the way that it has, uh, you know, I, that I'd be going to, I'm appearing at a Comic-Con in Syracuse next month to sign autographs of Snake and, um, you know, I did nine games and it just, it, uh, it was a much bigger deal than, than I thought it would be when I first got the part. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's, it's crazy how big the game is and, um, how it's grown. And and yeah, I mean, obviously you're, I would say pretty iconic amongst us metal gear nerds. And I say your name, people know who you are, you know, amongst my friends. So, oh, um, well. Give them my best. <laughs> I definitely will. Um, so, 
when you were doing the voiceover work for the game, uh, do you have any interesting stories you could tell or anything when you were actually doing the work? Uh, I, I've watched some of your con interviews. I know you've had some interesting stories. So I was kind of curious if you could share any of those with us today. Um, well, what kind of interesting stories? Uh, you know, there was the time in Metal Gear 4 where... Um, uh, where Dr. Naomi wanted to s- examine Snake's body because he was going through accelerated aging. And so Snake takes off his clothes and Jennifer Hale's like, oh my God. <laughs> and she starts crying. And I'm like, hey, 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 you know, what the hell? It's not that bad. And um, and then she said, but Snake, you're so shriveled. And, uh, and then that almost ended up on the, on the actual game because, you know, we would joke and then it would go, the, the, the recordings would go to Japan and they wouldn't know that we were joking. And so, um, so there were a number of, uh, times like that where we had said things and like, uh, I think Ryden called Rose a bitch and, you know, that almost ended up on the game. And so oh, we, wow. we had to be careful about those things. Wow, that's I didn't know about that. That's pretty. Uh, that's pretty cool. I remember there was I was because uh, preparing preparing for this interview. I watched some of your con, and you had talked. Someone had mentioned to me in passing one time we were talking that you like would do a shot of whiskey sometimes before you would actually do your voiceover work. Is that true? Like I can't remember. Well, uh, um, I you know I made a joke about that back in the day. About, oh, okay. Um, you know, probably for Game Informer or some big thing, and made a joke that the snake voice comes from whiskey and cigarettes, which <laughs> it was not was not true. Uh, I was not drinking whiskey at the time. I've since developed a taste for it, but and I and I never smoked. Um, but uh, but I did do a game called Republique, done by Ryan Payton, who was the producer on Metal Gear Three, and in that one I played a sort of a an out of control. Um, revolutionary uh, sort of podcaster, I guess, who was making these <laughs> these revolutionary tapes. And so for a few of those, they wanted me really drunk. And so I would, um, I would, uh, they, they, they did give me whiskey and I would, you know, take a couple of shots. But I mean, I never, you know, I never got wasted or anything like that. But I, you know, I'd have the whiskey with me just to sort of give you that, that feeling of, uh, of getting drunk and, and podcasting. You you, yeah. you you probably relate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I think today I had to have a few uh, shots before we jumped on this one, so I didn't. You know, I'm not screaming like a schoolgirl every time you do uh, Snake's right. voice, <laughs> so you can remain calm. Yes, exactly. Um, so I'm gonna, okay. Moving on to, I have a whole list of questions here. I'm trying to get through the ones that I think people will be most interested in hearing because this is stuff I've never heard you talk about before. Okay. Um, have you ever pranked anyone before, like prank called or messed with somebody in some form of way as Snake? Um. Well, I mean, uh, every time I go to a comic con, somebody comes up to me and says, "Hey, will you call my brother or something?" And so I'll be like, Jimmy, this is Solid Snake. And, you know, sort of and it's always awkward because they don't know it's coming and they don't know (laughs) what to say. And, you know, but um, so I've done that quite a bit. Um, I did. uh, The only time I really used it in life um, specifically was uh, I I went to a, a my wife 
and I and another couple went to see Death of a Salesman at the Amundsen Theater with with Brian uh, Dennehy. Um, and it was this amazing production. And then there were, there was these two people making out in front of us, <laughs> the seats in front. And they're just like lip smacking, like, <laughs> like, like, like they're at a drive-in or something like that. And my wife notices and she starts to get really annoyed. And when she gets annoyed, I get annoyed. So I, so at one point I lean down and just put my lips like half an inch from this guy's ear. And I said, get a room like this. And, and, uh, he just about leaped up out of his seat. And then she's like, let's make out some more. And he's like, no, 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 like that. And, um, and, uh, and then I spent the rest of the play waiting to see if he was going to turn around and give me a hassle, but he, he never did. And, uh, that was, that was, that was the most satisfying time anyway, that I ever, um, sort of startled anybody with the snake voice. It was very effective. Oh man, that's so great! I, I can only imagine like that having that voice whispered in my ear. I probably would jump up and be like, "Snake," you know, <laughs> like right, uh, right. Um, but oh, that's so great! I love uh, that's hilarious. So, yeah, um, what I guess you kind of touched on it a little bit, but I mean, I guess what what would you say your favorite thing about being Solid Snake slash Big Boss is slash was? You know, like what is the the thing that you just love about being him or being yeah. Right. Well, I mean, there's a number of lovable aspects. It's it's uh, it's such an amazing character to play. You know, it's the the stories are so rich and complex and strange, and and um, the, there's so much love and brilliance that goes into each of the games. Like, I love playing the games and and just being a part of that world um, is very cool. And then beyond that, the 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 purity of the fan love is really startling to me because, you know, everybody gets hassled online and everybody gets jerks or whatever. And so do I sometimes, Mm. but overwhelmingly the snake fans are so nice and they're so excited, uh, you know, to, to meet me or to, to, to talk about metal gear. And I mean, it's a really, remarkably respectful community and and um and it just you know i always say it's kind of like it's kind of like you know i'm sure dan castlanetta who does homer simpson's voice feels the same way like like you can just be like oh you need to like this and, and <laughs> that's pretty and good think, that was a good impression yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um but you know, you just, you just break it out with your voice and suddenly it makes people happy and and it gives them, you know, this, this amazing feeling. And it's, it's like having a superpower and it's just so lovely. I mean, they're, they're really, you know, in terms of being snake, there's, there's really no downside. It's, it's, it's quite, quite a remarkable journey. This has been. Well, that's really good to hear because I know today's age, it seems like a lot of game communities can end up being pretty toxic at times like i was a big yeah. destiny 2 fan and that game went through ups and downs as far as community is concerned um and there's like uh countless others i can't think of off the top of my head so i'm really happy to hear that and that's amazing and i'm um glad to hear that metal gear fans are uh, proper fans <laughs> i guess to say they well they are it's just it's it's incredible and you know sometimes you know there'll be their controversies and they'll you know people hassle kojima or 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 konami or whatever but but they really 
kind of keep me out of it. And, and everybody's really, really, I always say, I always joke that they're so respectful because they've seen me kill so many people. <laughs> but, um, but to a certain extent, you know, I, I think, I think they're, they're like that because we're all snake. You know, if you played a lot of metal gear, you're, you're snake as much as I'm snake. And, and it's you, you know, you, 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 you feel like you're the character and you just happen to have my voice in your head as you do it. So it's, it's a really strange sort of, you know, telepathic connection between, between me and the, and people that have put in thousands of hours playing snake, you know? Yeah. Um, and then full confession of my part, um, I'm not. I don't really want to talk about it too much, but Metal Gear Solid Five. I have yet to play through that game. I tried playing it, and I, my opinion, I just felt like there was something missing. And I know this is going to sound cheesy, but it just, I couldn't play it. I just felt like I was missing something, and I still to this day have not played through Metal Gear Solid Five. Honest to God. So, oh um, yeah, yeah. No, I'm not familiar with that title. <laughs> Oh, no, yes. I, I, I know what it is. I, I, I haven't played it either because um, oh, I really? wouldn't want to. No, I, I don't want to hear, you know, somebody yeah. else doing Snake. And I mean, I've heard it. I've heard it on the trailers, whatever. But it's too painful to sort of go through. And plus, you know, everybody. Anyway, yeah. So uh, I got you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. That's a nice show of solidarity. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so moving on from that. Uh, so for me, um, something that I hold dear to my heart. Um, one of the characters is the boss from Metal Gear yeah. Solid Three. Yeah. Um, and that uh, the voice work was amazing. the The character development was uh, amazing. Just everything was fantastic about that character, and then what you find out at the end, and her being a strong not just because she's a female. You know, like not, I always say, I loved that character not just because he was female, but it kind of opened it up to me as viewing. I don't know because I was a young teenager at the time, right? So sure, I, yeah. So it actually, kind of opened me up to these powerful female characters and it, it doesn't matter what their gender or kind of sort of thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, totally. What did, do you have any thoughts or on um, things or like when you're reading the script, like what were your thoughts on that character? Well, I, I agree with you. I think that um, not only is she a powerful female character, but her, the fact that she's female doesn't really enter into it. Um, I mean, she's tougher than snake. She's faster than him. You know, if she wasn't so determined to, uh, uh, you know, finish her mission the way she finishes it, Snake would never beat her, you know. And uh, and I always thought that was amazing. And I always I, I just thought the writing of it was so clever because Snake, who we'd gotten to know as this sort of ultimate badass, was clearly so beneath her, like like she was clearly the mentor and he was still learning and, and every time they had a physical confrontation, she was ahead yeah. of him. Yeah. And, um, and then Lori Allen's performance was so commanding and masterful and there wasn't anything, you know, and it wasn't like one of these characters where it's like, you know, we're just going to turn a male character into a female character. I mean, she's clearly a woman and a strong woman and, and somebody that's, that's, you know, got a pretty, clever complex plan on unlike a standard male plan which is just you know burst in and kill everybody you know yeah it, i guess um, to this to this day that character like someone posted on twitter who was the greatest like boss fight or whatever and i was like the uh, boss the goat the like boss. yeah <laughs> um, well and that final fight with the with the, oh. the the cherry blossoms is just so beautiful and tragic and it's uh it it is it's one of the greatest boss fights i mean it's one of the greatest cinematic achievements yes. in any yes. medium i think 
Um, and but but the fact that it's a video game, the fact that it's technically a boss fight, and the fact that she is the boss is is pretty ultimate. You know, I mean, I I, I agree with you. Um, and yeah, and that's the, that's the thing I love about these games is they. I was so young, they kind of introduced me to feel emotion in a game. Like most of the time, it was Mario mm-hmm. or Zelda kind of, but no game has made me feel that way. I think to this day, honestly, it made me feel the way that I feel in that in that way. Metal Gear Solid Three did, and One did with Meryl. Yeah. I was joking around. I didn't know. Like I accidentally Meryl died at the end of my first run through of the first Metal Gear, and I felt really right. bad. I was sad. Yeah, well, you know that that was you, you gave up on your torture. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, and then I, I made myself play through it again once I found out that there was another ending because at the time right. I didn't have internet yeah. when this game came out. Right. Yeah, and you want to say you want to save her life, and then that sniper wolf death scene oh. is so tragic and beautiful. And my friend Tasia Valenza is amazing, and Debbie Mae West as Meryl, they're amazing. And of course, Christopher Randolph is Otacon is just the the beating heart of the whole thing and yeah it's 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 yeah i agree was, i was equally moved <laughs> um funny story about you mentioned autocon crystal randolph i was listening so i i listened to edward snowden's book permanent record this week on audiobook and oh, the cool. guy sounds just like him i had to look it up i'm like is this i think it would be fitting for him to read it too but it was not him but it sounded just like him i couldn't believe it wow that's that's funny yeah hey josh you back yeah, I'm very okay. sorry. I uh, Alabama local internet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Understood. Understood. I'm very sorry for the inconvenience. Um, Not at all. I'm sorry you missed uh, some of the fun. Yeah. <laughs> so we just well, where, yeah, where, we where just did we just leave about, off at? We just finished talking about the boss. So. Oh yeah, very beautiful. Yeah, I My agree. Boss. I couldn't agree. I couldn't agree any any more. Yeah, we were saying it's probably the ultimate boss fight. Yeah. On a number of levels. Now, I was saying before, uh, Peter would agree that uh, not only is her sacrifice, you know, so great and meaningful, but in in all fact of the matter is it's literally the ultimate sacrifice because not only does she lose her life, but also like her name is slandered. Yeah. You know, all her yeah. credibility yeah. is out the window. She's dubbed as a, as a villain and no one will ever know. You know what I mean? That's what's so emotional about uh, her sacrifice there. Yeah, she gives everything for her country. She's the ultimate patriot, and then she'll be branded a traitor for her whole life. Yep. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a pretty amazing story. I wish yeah. I'd written it. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think we got a couple more questions on that, and then we're we're gonna wrap it up with a few more questions on X two and Metal Gear Solid movie. So um, sure. Shoot, Josh. Huh. so okay. So uh, I actually, this is my question. How in depth do you know? Like, are you into Metal Gear lore? Anything that you would have liked to see happen personally, like going forward in the in the in the following titles, or would you have changed in the past titles? Oh well, uh, I'm. I mean, I'm pretty steeped in the lore. I, I, I was there for most of it, and and um, I feel like I really loved. Solid Snake's ending in Metal Gear 4, I just thought that was really epic and beautiful and sad. And, um, so I was very happy with the way that ended up. I think, you know, it would have been very cool to see Big Boss and go up against Solid Snake in Zanzibar Land. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, I never played the NES games. I think it would be cool to see, you know, Frank Yeager and... 
yeah, great plots and four stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there were a lot of aspects of the story that they could have gone into in the same way that they did, you know, in the retro way that they did year three. Mm. Uh, I can, yeah, I can agree with that a hundred percent. So yeah, there were the, there were a lot of the, and you know, because he's a clone, you know, it, it would have been kind of cool to play against myself and, and, you know, right. to, play, to play an older big boss against a younger solid snake, you know, it's, it's, it would have been uh, a really fun um, challenge to take on. And, and uh, it's a shame we didn't get to see that, but, um, but you know, we, we got a lot of metal gear out there and, and, um, and the, you know, there's, I'm not really complaining. It right. Was pretty, right. It was a pretty good run. You would talk. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, so I think when we were just discussing, did you actually change voice a little bit for four? Cause you knew he was older. Did you try to make it a little bit more gruffier? Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, old snake. Yeah, like original solid snake is is basically oh, wow. <laughs> it's my voice with a little bit of a little bit of edge to it, um, and then big boss was a little a little gruffer and a little you know, it, depending on where he was in his in his age. But then old snake was uh, like this, and then throughout the game he's falling apart. So his like his larynx is letting go, and it just gets harder and harder for him to talk. So that was the uh, that was the concept for uh, Metal Gear Four. We're Jesus. all geeking out here. We're like, oh my I have God. a <laughs> huge smile on my face. Yeah. Right all right, um, I know because it's like you know I get so sad when people are like, oh, you know, he always sounds the same or whatever, and I'm like, well, I no, I definitely could tell it. the difference one hundred percent. Oh, cool. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So I, I yeah I try to give him a, a little different flavor each time. So in you know Metal Gear Three, you know he's he's the boss. So he's edgy and he's got he's got more gravel to him than than solid, but he's young and he's on top of the world. You know, he's he's just going out and taking things on and he's going to get messed around pretty badly. So by the time we were doing Peace Walker, it's, you know, Kaz, what are you doing? Uh, you know, he's, he's older, he's beat down and he's not quite as optimistic. So those were those are sort of the different voices of, of Snake. Mm. All right, so we're we're winding down our time here a little bit, um, and um, I kind of well, that's all right. Ask, ask what you need to ask. It's it's all good. Okay, yeah, I, I know we had an agreed time limit. I didn't want to, you know, if I'm sure you're a busy guy, <laughs> and um, so we. I, I am, but I'm sort of taking. I've been I've been working all morning, and I'm going to take the afternoon off. So it's oh, all good. nice, awesome. Cool. Okay, can't talk all afternoon, but, but yeah. you know, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that being said, uh, that. no, no, uh, no, no. Uh, okay, case, tell me about your birth. <laughs> Uh, okay, so we're moving on. We had some questions about the. So I guess the Metal Gear Solid movie has been like in limbo for forever. It seems like, but mm-hmm. we wanted to kind of ask you. I mean, so so much has changed since they. I think they announced it because Kojima is no longer with Konami. I think Konami has the rights. But what would you do? Like, what story would you tell if you were to write the movie? Because you are a writer after all, right? So, mm. well, I uh, I can't tell you that um, because well, I, that's true. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did actually, and and Kojima's still attached to the movie, as far as I know. Oh, okay. Uh, he's not, you know, he doesn't own the games, but he's still. I I don't know in what capacity, but I did meet with Jordan Boat Roberts, who's the director who's attached um, to do it. We we sat down over drinks for like four hours, and we talked all about it. It was really amazing, and and um, so Kojima's you know very much involved, and um, but I. I was asked to pitch Sony the movie 
years ago, probably 10 years ago. And I came up with a whole concept for what the movie should be. And then I talked to Jordan and I started pitching it out. And he's like, I have to stop you. And then he started pitching me what their movie was going to be. And it was pretty much the same concept. Oh. Uh, <laughs> like, like, I mean, like, and not, nothing you've seen in the games before, but sort of a logical extension of what had come before and what, you know, what ideally a smart screenwriter would do to, to, to take it to the next level. So that was, so that was kind of gratifying. I was like, yeah, I kind of felt like I was on the right track there. And, um, you know, and Jordan is a dedicated fan, uh, and a great director. And I think if the movie ever gets made, it's, it's in very good hands. It's just, you know, it hasn't been in limbo. It's been in development hell, which Mm. means they can't figure out what, to do that will make them comfortable putting $200 million into the budget, you know, and, right. and, and metal gear, if you're going to do it right, it's not a standard army movie. It's an action film. It's, it's a strange, it is, know, it's a strange otherworldly experience. You're right. Yeah. And it's very cerebral and it's, and it's, 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 you know, it's weird and, and, and it has to be to be metal gear. So, so that's, I think that that's, and I don't know this for sure. This is just my speculation based on many years of experience in the movie business. But I think that it's a balance between, you know, Kojima and Jordan and the, the true Metal Gear fans that are involved trying to make it what it should be. And the studios fear that it's too weird to put up, uh, you know, a quarter of a billion dollars to, to make it. So, you know, um, but it's a big, valuable title. It's got millions of fans worldwide. So I would imagine it will get done at some point. But it, it, it has always been a difficult proposition to um, to make it. And, um, you know, because you wouldn't want it. But because if it came out and it was just, you know, if it was just like G.I. Joe or it was just some, mm. you know, standard. Not not that I don't want to bash G.I. Joe. They're yeah. fine. Right, um, but right, I don't think right. the fans want that. I don't think the fans want a G.I. Joe version of Metal Gear. No, they want, they want the same experience as the games, only, you know, elevated cinematic, you know, taken to the next level um, sort of thing. Done with movie stars. And, and um, so, uh, yeah, so it's just a, you know, if I was if I was the president of Sony, I'd be like, okay, well, I don't know writing a check for $200 million for this, but, um, yeah, so I, I understand what you mean. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a huge commitment and, um, to a, to an unusual uh, world. Right. Um, but hopefully they'll, hopefully they'll do it and hopefully they'll make it great. Okay. So then personally, you know, your opinion, who would you have play, you know, the character of snake? I told Jordan that you know they should they should do it CG animated and I should play Snake. <laughs> um, yes, yes, yes. That's my exact position on the subject. Yes. Yeah. Well, and then Jordan said to me, he's like, you know, you could, you know, you could play it live action, but you'd have to get really, you know, jacked first. And I was like, <laughs> no. and I was like, no, you'd have to offer it to me, and then I'll get jacked. <laughs> But I'm not gonna, yeah. you know, not gonna kill myself to get an amazing shape in the hopes that you're gonna put me in the movie. So right, right. Um, so uh, anyway, so those are the discussions about me. But um, uh, but you know, I've always said, you know, like Hugh Jackman, who 
you know, who I know from back in the X-Men days and is the nicest man in the world. And he's very handsome. And I, I think that he would uh, I think he would fit it pretty nicely. I think there are a number of, of actors that would be good. What are, yeah. what are your choices? I, I was joking Actually, with Hugh, Josh. Jack- Hugh Jackman. I completely agree. But I cannot say more that the CG animated with your voiceover would be definitely better. <laughs> thank you. Um, well, thank you. I appreciate that. We we actually were joking about this yesterday, and I was like, I thought Eric Bannon would be a good uh, character young. person to play. I, I guess a young he could still do it now, I think. But that's who I always said I felt like. And okay. Josh didn't know, like, he didn't think about it. And he looked at it. And he was like, Oh my god! Like I think he could play yeah. Snake. Young. Yeah, yeah, yeah very, very young. Because now Eric Bannon has that receded chin. But whatever, that's not the point. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> Uh, I guess next we're going to move on to some X-Men questions. Yeah, we'll finish it up with just um, a couple X-Men questions. I mean, a lot of people just think that it's... the. I I personally think it's my my favorite out of all the X-Men movies. Um, And kind of, I think a lot of people feel that way. Um, Mm -hmm. What what were some of your inspirations and callbacks when you were... Because you adapted the screenplay and you wrote the story, right? Is that the best way to explain it? How X2... Sort of. Um... This, there was a screenplay when I signed on to the movie. Um, and so the story was essentially written, but I was asked to do, you know, thousands upon thousands of rewrites um, just through through the course of, the, of making the movie. Um, my inspiration was Chris Claremont's run on X-Men when I was, you, you know, like, from the time I was nine or 10 till the time I was 15. Those are the X-Men comics that I read the dark, dark Phoenix and, um, you know, the hellfire club and all those things. And just really Chris's, um, depiction of the characters and the way he made them so human and, and interact and fall in love or, or their fears, their problems, their mistakes. Um, that a lot of it came from, from that. And then I also, you know, I had an expense account at the comic book shop in Toronto when we were shooting. So I would go buy X-Men comics and just comb through for, for things that I didn't, um, hadn't heard before. Uh, that line, um, when, when rogue looks at his knuckles and says, does it hurt when they come out? And he says, every time Mm -hmm. that was, that was from a comic book that I just found this scene and I saw that line and I was like, Oh, that's going in the movie. Oh, that's got to be so much research on your end. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, but it was great fun. I was yeah, just, you're having fun doing uh, it. That's the best part. Yeah, we're about to come back with a stack of free comics and just <laughs> and take the best of all these people's work and and turn it into uh, turn it into a coherent movie. It was um, uh, it was really fun, and I mean, the process itself was stressful and maddening, but but uh, and a lot of pressure, but. Um, but the research itself was great. And the, and the fact that I, you know, I, when I was 15, the X-Men comics used to say soon to be a major motion picture. And I think, God, I hope whoever does that doesn't mess it up. And then, <laughs> Lo and behold. Fan. <laughs> yeah. And then 14 years later, there I was, and it was like, Oh, it's me. You know, I'm the one who's going to mess it up. And, and <laughs> Oh no. Yeah. That was an amazing, that was an amazing thing to sort of realize. I, I remember working on the movie and then thinking back like, Oh my God, I used to see this on the cover of the comic book all the time. And here we are, man. Like this is yeah. just bizarre. And, um, you know, I, but I got to do things like, um, 
when we first tested Wolverine's claws, uh, the creature effects people had made this fist, and then these hydraulic claws would come out through through the the latex knuckles, and they'd shoot out like like that. It was really cool, except they were just straight like like butcher knives essentially, and I was like, we can't you can't do that. Like Wolverine's claws are, are curved. You have to, they have to have a curve. And the creature effects guy got really mad at me. He's like, well, they won't come through the mechanism if they're curved. Like, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Which, which, which if you think about it is true. Like if, if his, if his claws were really curved, they wouldn't fit in his forearm. You know? Well, yeah, yeah, actually. Yeah. Now that you say it like that, I kind of understand. Yeah. Yeah, that like I'm looking, I'm looking at the 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 operation of it, and I'm like, oh yeah, his, his arm isn't big enough to contain them if they're really curved. But at the same time, they've got to be curved, or they're not Wolverine. And so, if you look at the claws in the if the first movie, they are they're essentially straight. They just taper down to make it look like they've got a curve in the front, and that's because of of me. Oh, oh wow, yeah, that's cool. I never uh, I never knew that, but I guess you know, that's like a typical nerd argument like oh that's still unrealistic you know wolverine's claws need to be straight you know it's like typical like nerd talk you know and and, and arguments yeah I love yeah. yeah i can't except count how many arguments i've gotten into over stuff like that yeah except this is actual construction like i mean it's not that you know because we used to because when i was a kid we used to be like well hey if wolverine if wolverine you know tilted his fist forward you know so that it was on a curve and then he popped the claws would the claws come out through his wrist you know, and yeah. uh, and so we were like, okay, so if he, so there's a moment where we're in X Men where he's got the claws pointed at his heart, but at first his his wrists were bent, and we and I was like, you can't do that. He his arms have to be totally straight, or he can't extend the claws. It doesn't make any sense. So you know, it was it was it was exactly as you say. It was like those nerd conversations you had when you're 12, except <laughs> with my job. <laughs> and now, you know, and now, you know, eighty million dollars depended on it. So, um, so it was a it was a strange experience. Wow, that's really cool. Um, all right, so I think we've pestered you enough, and you were gracious enough to answer all of our questions. Um, I'm gonna I bring it. Um, yeah, I'm gonna bring it to a close now, uh, so you can, I guess, enjoy the rest of your, <laughs> rest of your day, your your time off. Um, so. In closing, we just want to say like thank you as fans like for doing this. It's amazing that you do this for the fans. It's just so awesome. So we want to thank you for that. And if there's anything we'd like to know that you have coming out, can you talk about that before we um, shut her down today? Yeah. Well, um, let's see. I've got a number of things. I was just in a video game called Bloodstained Ritual of the Night, which came out recently, and I play a demon hunter named Zangetsu. Uh, I'm in a video game called The Long Dark, where I play... Yes. A- sort of scottish uh huntsman guy and that that that's a really cool game um i just closed a deal as a writer to create uh a show for c for the cbs network called repeat which is my first sort of big network television thing um i wrote i i was a i was a co-writer on the first season of a show called warrior nun over at netflix which is coming out uh beginning of next year and um I, you know, I'm sure there's a bunch of other things, but those are the those are the ones I can talk about at the moment. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, great. Uh, sure, we're gonna check those out. Um, we love your work, and again, so I just want to thank you again. Again, thank you, thank you so much yeah, for coming. Thank you so on much, David. We really appreciate it. Well, gentlemen, it was my pleasure. The questions were excellent. Please 
give my very best to their fans and and to you and to them i just say you're pretty good <laughs> <laughs> awesome thanks right. david all right guys thank I'll you talk to you later bye-bye yeah. right. bye-bye